to say uh, it's a good weekend to be a Wolverine. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, but uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, I believe that God uh, has a word for us. Uh, um, it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to get up and share the word, and I'm always uh, so blessed by our pastors here and their willingness to let people like me get up and speak, and you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, I say this a lot, but it's true, like, uh, when you grow up in one place your entire life, um, not everywhere lets you then get up and speak, because they know who you were, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? And it is a blessing and an honor to sit under pastors who recognize the gift of God inside of me in spite of who I was. Right. Amen. So, uh, yeah, I'm just so blessed. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Father, I thank you. Uh, <laughs> I just thank you, Father, for being here with us this morning already for the presence of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God that your spirit would divide the word for us this morning, that you would teach us things, show us things, and empower us, Father God, to walk out what your truth demands. We thank you for your grace and operation in our lives. Father, you are so good to us. We honor your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would... Turn with me to uh, Revelation chapter 12, and uh, don't get concerned. I'm not talking about end times, so just calm down. It's going to be all right. Uh, but I believe that the Lord has some truth for us to, to, to see in these verses. Um, and so we're just going to start here and see where the Holy Ghost leads us. Revelations chapter 12, starting in verse 10. He says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. <clears throat> and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not live, love their lives even unto death. So there's three things that I want to point out in this scripture. Number one um, is there is an accuser. The accuser is the enemy, and he hates us. He hates you. And he's constantly slinging accusations because he knows that if he can get you to agree with what he is saying, he will be able to dominate and bring destruction. But, the Lord has given us two keys as how we are to overcome and conquer this accuser. And they're right here in this verse. It is number one, the blood of the Lamb and number two, the word of our testimony. Yes. So number one, the blood of the lamb. Did you know that the blood of the lamb speaks? It speaks. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, it says, To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, 
and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, Abel, what it's referencing here is found in Genesis, and uh, the Lord in, in Genesis 4, uh, verse 9, the Lord comes to Cain and he says, Where's your brother? Where is Abel? And Cain goes, I don't know. Am I, in, I, am I in charge of him? Am I my brother's keeper, right? He starts to deny. He knows where he is because he killed him. And then God says back to, to Cain, he says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. And they, the Lord draws a distinction between the sprinkling blood that speaks and it being speaking things better than that of Abel's blood. Abel's blood spoke what? Avenge me. Vengeance, revenge. It spoke that Cain was guilty of killing him. That's what it spoke. But the blood of the lamb speaks something far greater. Far greater. So there's just a couple things. I can't obviously talk about every single thing that the blood speaks because we would be here for a very long time. But a couple of things that the Lord has pointed out to me uh, to share with you today about what the blood speaks. Uh, the first one is in John chapter 3. Got a lot of scriptures today. That's good. Right, Stephen? <laughs> John chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned. He who believes in him is not condemned. The word condemned means found guilty and deserving of punishment. Those who believe in him are not guilty anymore and therefore not deserving of punishment. They're not condemned. So the number one thing that the, word, that the blood speaks is it says we are not condemned. Not guilty. Number two is found in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, sorry, 5.21. says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become or be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you know that God made you righteous? Ooh, I don't know about that. Righteous? I'm not righteous. People get weird about that, and they don't want to say it about themselves because we've been fed um, something that sounds holy but is actually the opposite of holiness. <laughs> right? For a long time, the church has been taught and instructed um, 
The pastor said it a few weeks ago, so I feel like it's all right for me to say, so I'm going to say it. Uh, <laughs> we've been instructed and told and heard messages about how we're all just sinners, saved by grace. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. You know that's not true about you? Not if you've believed on Christ. If you've believed on Christ, you were a sinner. You have now been saved by grace. And you are now and forever will be the righteousness of God in him. That is the order of things. You didn't do anything to make you righteous other than accepting Christ into your life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So number one, the blood says you are not condemned and you are not guilty. Number two, the blood speaks that you have been made righteous. Number three, 1 Peter 1, 24, says, He who bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having been dead to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says it like this, But he was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. Number one, the blood says you are not condemned, not guilty. Number two, it says you've been made righteous. Number three, it says you've been healed by the blood of the Lamb. And the last uh, one that I want to talk about today is found in Romans 8. Starting in verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation. There's that condemnation thing again. You're not condemned to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Can you all say that with me real quick? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. That's awesome. That's amazing. So the four things that the blood speaks that we're talking about today are, it says you are not condemned, not guilty. It says you have been made righteous. It says you've been healed, and it says you have been set free from the law of sin and death. From the law of sin and death. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. You see, the blood... The thing that I I believe the Lord wanted me to point out about this part is the blood's already decided what it's saying. It's going to say those things forever. The blood will always speak 
to your right standing with God, your righteousness. The blood will always be speaking to your salvation, to your freedom, to your healing forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever until God himself splits the clouds of glory and takes us out of here. That blood will speak. But the blood by itself is not enough to set you free. What? It holds all the power to do so. But it is rendered inoperative in your life by your testimony. They overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They have to go side by side. Without the blood, without the sacrifice of Jesus, your testimony is useless as well. But because of the slain lamb and his blood being shed and poured out on the mercy seat in heaven, you now have a right to speak. You now have a right to speak. The Bible talks to us about the fact that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every one thing be established. My phone's freaking out. Hold on. (laughs) Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every one thing be established. You can find that in Deuteronomy 17.6, Deuteronomy 19.15, 2 Corinthians 13.1, 1 Timothy 5.19, Hebrews 10.28, and Matthew 18.16. You want them again? Okay. You can find those in Deuteronomy 17.16, Deuteronomy 19.15, 2 Corinthians 13.1, 1 Timothy 5.19, Hebrews 10.28, and Matthew 18.16. Jesus even applied this to himself in Scripture. In John 8, verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I do bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I came and where I'm going. They were confused. Anyways, they didn't know where he was coming or where he was going, but he did. You judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. And it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Jesus said, we have our two witnesses. Him and the Father. Amen. Your testimony. Your testimony. The word testimony and the word witness 
come up many, many times in the Old and New Testament. It's a huge thing in Scripture. The words that come out of your mouth. In fact, the very life of a believer is that of a witness. Right? Y'all with me? That of a witness. One of the reasons that we were given the Holy Spirit was so we could be a witness. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What is a witness? Um, a witness is someone who has personal experience of something and is willing to testify to their experience. I think sometimes we talk about being a witness, and, and at least I know in like high school groups and stuff um, with teens, you talk about being a witness, and they all go, well, I don't know enough scripture to talk to people about God. And um, first and foremost, we're fixing that. Um, but, but secondly, um, it's not just stories that, the, that you read in a book that make you a witness. Those things are what give you the ability to know that that's what God can do. It's what's written in the word, right? If it's not in the word, just back away from it. But if it's in the word, you can do it. Right, Mikey? Whatever the word says, you can do. Right. But a witness is someone with personal experience of an issue and is willing to go on record to testify to what they know. You and I are called to be witnesses of the things that God has done in our lives and the lives of those around us. Because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this like it doesn't have to be this, like, big, here's the 16 steps to becoming blah, blah, blah. Like, you just have to be able to testify. I know him. I was there when he healed me. He saved me. I was there. I know what I was like. I know what it was like when I was dead in my trespasses and sins, and God saved me. He changed my life. And I won't ever be the same because of what he did for me. It's a personal thing. And every single one of us, sometimes, you know, people go, well, I don't have any big testimonies. Well, your testimony is valid and important. Because what God's done for you is what God's done for you. And it's important. I'm a witness. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And the word of their testimony. Matthew 12, 36 says, but I say to you that for every idle word a man speaks, they will give an account in the day of judgment. Your words matter. 
Verse 37, for by your words you will be justified. Or, by your words, you will be condemned. By whose words? God's words? My words. A lot of times we like to think, well, God did it. He took care of it all. It's done. He did his part. And like we said, the blood is settled. The blood knows what it's saying. And it is constantly testifying on your behalf in heaven. It it knows. It knows what it accomplished. It's not confused about it. The thing that's not settled is our testimony. Our testimony. And the enemy knows that, and that's why he's the accuser. Hebrews 3 Verse 1, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of what? Our confession. His name is Jesus Christ. Why is it so important what we say and the things that we agree with and the things that we accept into our lives and, and begin to speak about? Because Jesus works with what you say. The Bible talks about how Jesus himself stands constantly interceding for us at the throne. You have representation at the throne of God. That is, whew. Man, if we would understand that, I'm telling you what, that's huge. But what does he testify of? All that Jesus can testify about you and agree with and give power behind is what he's done for you and what you say about it. By your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. He's the high priest of what we say says it again in Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Mm. Thank you, Lord. So we have the accuser. We have our weapons that we can use to combat him. But we also have an advocate. That is God. That is Jesus. Who stands on our behalf and speaks for us. And if we agree with what he's saying, we will have victory over the enemy. If we agree with the word of the blood, that's two or more witnesses, and it's established. But it's up to us what we say. It's up to us what we choose to say. It's up to us what we choose to believe. When you're the accused, your testimony carries great weight. 
That's just true in like the legal system. If you're the accused and you say something, it doesn't matter if you have the greatest attorney on the planet. They could do the whole thing, talk about how you know, this is the truth and lay out their case, and that judge could be ready and willing, say acquitted. Everything done, right? You're free, free to go. And if you take the stand and plead guilty, you're guilty. Because that judge has to take into account your testimony. Hmm. Let's go to Isaiah 53 and we'll end here. I think. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. And Jesus cared so much about your right to speak and to give your testimony. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as, a, as a, a, a lamb to be slaughtered, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. It says it two times, and this emphasis has to mean something. If you look in the Gospels, Jesus is accused. They bring him forth and they start slinging all these accusations. He said he's going to destroy the temple and rebuild it. And he said this and he said that. And time after time you see Jesus. And what does it say that he did? He answered them not. Do you want to know why? Jesus actually talks a little bit about this while he's hanging on the cross. Someone questions him about it and he said... (laughs) Don't you know, I could call on the Father and he would send me legions of angels. You want to know why he didn't open his mouth? Because if he'd have opened his mouth and called on the justice of heaven, those angels would have come. That place would have been shaken and he'd have been delivered. But you and I would be lost. What strength that must have taken. What courage he must have had. While he's hanging on the cross to know all he had to do was say one word. And he'd have been delivered. But for the joy set before him, he opened not his mouth. So that you could open your mouth. Let the redeemed of the Lord feel it in their heart. No. Well, but I'm not. See, it's just not my personality. I don't speak up. I don't speak. 
the Bible doesn't get to change just because of your personality. Let the redeemed of the Lord say it with their mouth. Because your testimony is what justifies you. Because of what the Lamb did. Mm. Him opening his mouth gave us the authority and the ability to open ours. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord God, that while no one, while I didn't believe, (laughs) you still saw me, loved me, and died and bled for me. And Father, I commit to you that I will endeavor to agree with the blood and what it is speaking. Father God, that I would not make of no effect the sacrifice that you made, but I will use it to its fullest capacity by faith to seek and save that which was lost, Father. That I would, that we would know and understand what it is to be in agreement with the testimony of heaven. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to...